Hey friends, hopping in in the middle of the week to share a few clips that we recorded during our first ever Ravel Book Club meeting, where we are currently reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Our Patreon group in attendance had such a good time together that we thought we would share just a handful of clips from our 90-minute meeting that we had the other night. And if you like what you hear and you'd like to participate in future book club meetings along with this wonderful group of people, you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash ravelpod. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to our amazing Discord community and the chance to attend our monthly book club, the Ravel Collective that's kicking off in a couple weeks here in February, and other bonus episodes that Josh, Emily, and I will be offering. Okay, please enjoy. Something I had highlighted for us to talk about, because on the pod you'll have talked about ritual or the significance and or meanings of ceremony to you guys. Uh, And so on this read through, a line that I hadn't given much thought on previous reads that I really sort of like, oh, and focused on here was, uh, she says, ceremony is a vehicle for belonging. Mm. And the framing of ceremony as a tool to change perspective, right? To to make to establish belonging, I thought was a really delightful way of thinking about it. That... Um, and then of course, totally separate from that, we can talk about that more in a second, but my other big thing was the section um a mother's work, the most recent section I think we had to read or yeah. um is Listen. still a banger. Did... So did Much. I cry over my sink full of dirty dishes listening to that chapter? Yes. Yes, I did. I have not gotten through that chapter without crying. It was so... so I want you to know it doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, that chapter reminded me a lot of uh, when I was a kid. We had a patch of asparagus that grew in our yard. Like, I don't believe we planted it. And my little brother and I would always, if we caught them at the right time, snap off the stems and eat them raw. There, it was delicious. Um, and I remember my mom trying for a long time to try to get the patch to grow because it was only maybe like like a meter circle kind of area. And asparagus can grow in ground that's been salted. So the way to make an asparagus patch grow is to salt the ground around it to kill everything else. And it just wouldn't do it. And so it was kind of a like, well, you're not getting any more. This is what you have. And so it would be enough for us to like snack on occasionally. Every now and then we'd have a year where if we caught them at the right time, we could actually like cook with them. But it was just like a thing that happened there that we didn't sow the seeds, but we got to enjoy the gift from it. I like um, kind of what you were saying, Stephen, along the lines of like how when we take care of the earth for taking care of us it just like repays the favor and when we're generous with when we don't take too much when we take just what we need and we're not like constantly demanding too much from the gifts that have been given to us um they keep returning and then we're able to continue to give to other people and share that that kind of communal gifting i guess of and realizing that the earth is not ours the earth is belongs to itself And it provides for us in a gift rather than out of our own survival. Um, And I think something that capitalism in particular has 
kind of instilled in us is that everything is ours for the taking and it is here only for our consumption. And how can we make it more? How can we make it bigger? How can we make it better? Um, and now we're finding ourselves stuck in this loop of her running out of things or chickens are getting sick and eggs are $8.99 a dozen. <laughs> and, you know, like it's, the earth can't provide for us because we've taken too much. And it just kind of helps you shift everything um, the way that you see everything. Like I've always considered myself anti-capitalist for a long time, but seeing it as a gift economy, like the way that she was talking about, wasn't something that I guess had really like wrapped my mind all the way around of like, how do we live in a capitalistic society where everything is consumption based, but also be anti-capitalist in a way that we still survive. And so I think what she was talking about of like treating the earth as a gift and realizing that it's its own separate entity that has life breathing in it um, and appreciate that life and respect that life the way that we would another human, I mean, could get us really far. Like here are all the things that we're going to say we can observe via the senses that we've all agreed are our only five senses. But what happens when you start recognizing that there's there's probably far more senses beyond the five that we call the physical ones, especially feeling like the way that art can move you. Cause that's what she was trying to answer. She was like, why do these flowers look so good next to each other? And the professor was saying like my textbook, the science isn't going to tell you that like we can explain it with a color wheel and we can explain it that like the nutrients and their roots benefit each other. Uh, but beyond that, like, we don't have much to say about it, and it really does take the language of poets or philosophers and theologians to say a bigger why. And especially in this indigenous frame that she brings of saying, like, I'm not going to just going to say what these flowers are, but I'm going to refer to them as who. Like, I'm going to give them the dignity of some, uh, like, a sense of selfhood of their own, whether that just be anthropomorphizing to a degree, but I think that at least inspires in us a mode to respect the world around us. Like if, if anthropomorphizing everything around us is what it takes for us to treat the earth well, then I think we should do that, even though it might be a slightly misguided way to do it. Yeah, I do really like her take on different ecosystems as being supportive and interconnected, where like I've heard a lot of times people talk about ecosystems as being only full of violence and sex as mm. it like that it's all competition it's always one organism trying to get it over another but like that completely sets aside entire ecosystems that are entire like almost every ecosystem is built on a base of collaboration is that all plants and fungi co-evolved to help each other yeah, I think it's helpful to think about coevolution as the goldenrod and the asters look so pretty cool. together. Sure, because our eyes see them that way, but also because like they evolved while eyes evolved. Like mm -hmm. like both evolutions occurred. <laughs> it's not just that one is taking advantage of the way the other one works. It's like mm -hmm. both arrived at the way they are in an environment together. Yeah. <laughs> And so many things are like that, where it's like, there's no cause and effect. Yeah. <laughs> We're all stuck in it together. <laughs> With plants, there's a, a certain gradation, kind of, of how plants can 
can grow out of the soil. And like the more like leafy a plant is, the more that just bacteria can break it down. But uh, trees and any kind of really woody plant needs a different kind of nutrient than that. And it needs fungal breakdown. And the fungi break down woody material. And so it has to be this cycle where the trees die and the fungi break it down in order to be the mulch for the next generation of, of trees to grow. So reciprocity. Mm-hmm. We're back. Yeah, if you thought reciprocity has been hammered home uh, all the <laughs> way through, I've got a bunch more chapters of book for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that is what is interesting about her focus on like interdependence and ecosystems and how like gift giving does form reciprocal relationships. Like, and I think a lot of people, I I had this like weird moment while reading the part about uh, gift giving where for some reason, like this didn't trigger anything like specific, like not a specific circumstance for me, but it just made me think about how like sometimes you'll hear about people criticizing people who give gifts just so like that person feels indebted to them. But like that, like I see what they're saying in terms of like, I don't know, you can like creatively manipulate people, but like that is mm-hmm. also how like gifts work. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like it, <laughs> like it is inherent in the, like the social reciprocity and like, mm-hmm. I suppose that could be misused. Like, I don't know, like family ties can be weird and all that, for instance, like mm-hmm. you know, like not want to like receive money from your parents, even if they like want to give it to you. So, I mean, I don't know. I can see like it kind of going both ways, but like that is just like the, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it, it makes funny me, that it like triggered that thought for me. That makes me think mm-hmm. of the one person who tried to like own Bernie Sanders by saying someone should like take away 90% of your birthday cake and give it to other people. And someone was like, that's how birthday cakes work. If you have friends. That's so funny. (laughs) Hey, if you like that, I bet you would enjoy the rest of that bonus episode and our future live book club meetings by heading to patreon.com slash Ravelpod. See you there.